0: Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and we're afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern.
1: And I'm also your host, Emily Cardamus.
0: And this week, we have a guest we were very excited about, um, Aaron Keefe, best known for the Hey Riddle Riddle podcast, which we're both big fans of. Well, I mean, I, I suppose calling you a fan is maybe a little bit of a misnomer since you did design the logo, co designed the logo.
1: Yeah, and a couple other things, but yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're founding founding fans of, of Hey Riddle Riddle's fan club. <laughs> Erin brought as her topic improv which she was initially concerned about because she is in fact fairly well known to do improv this is not something she's doing in underground secret improv clubs you know late in the middle of the night on Saturdays or something um, it's not it's not that kind of thing in her life but also I think we both felt that uh, it was an interesting topic to talk about because it's we determined that improvisers in fact don't really talk about it that often with non-improvisers or maybe even with other improvisers that it's something that they do but maybe be something that they don't analyze that much and we also felt like having women who are in comedy have a platform to talk about that and talk about that experience was important
1: yeah and it was definitely interesting because i think both of us are coming from it from like obviously we both listened to a lot of like improv podcasts we we're mm-hmm. kind of like fans of the form but i've never done improv and so i've, I've only seen it like as an uh, on an observational level uh so we kind yeah. of I think we kind of had two different approaches to like things we wanted to talk about and like questions you wanted to ask because I was coming from it from like a very like bare bones. I've only been an audience member and and you have a little bit of experience with actually performing and doing improv.
0: Yeah, I have some professional acting training, which is a really grave overstatement of what I actually did when I was a a kid. It doesn't really count, but it gives me uh, some sort of background in what that experience is like from the other side and how you talk about it a little bit. But I think it was definitely talking to somebody who does it professionally is a totally different...
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like we talk about this a lot when we get people who bring on topics that are very much like an art form or Mm -hmm. a performance form where we kind of feel like the conversation also can be applied to like a lot of different art in general or like life in general. Um, It was really lovely to hear Aaron's perspective on what she does because it was so, like, there were so many things, especially about her being a woman in a field where, like, that's still pretty, like, we're not, like, we're not in the golden era yet of, like, everyone's, you know... (laughs) everyone gets their own space in this so there were a lot of especially those topics that we talked about about being a woman in your field that is primarily maybe male-dominated is the wrong word but still
0: i'd say historically historically male-dominated yeah yeah
1: was like very relatable
0: yeah i mean i think i think for anybody regardless of what field you're in if you've ever had the experience of feeling like you're taking up more space than you're supposed to I think that there's some relatable content and I I don't know anybody who feels like they're taking up the right amount of space at all times so I think that's for pretty much everyone
1: also Aaron can we just say that Aaron's great Aaron is great Aaron's Aaron's great like (laughs) and I feel like I, I hope this doesn't sound like sucking up or just being like way too much of a sap but like it's just so lovely like oh it's great it's great. i don't. I lost my train of thought.
0: This is how you can tell that this is in fact improvised and not scripted when we do these intros. <laughs> this is the only bit of improv that we actually do and not particularly well at that.
1: <laughs> Look, I will admit that on the call, I cried and no one could hear me. Um, <laughs> because it was... I just like... I get very emotional in a good way when it's just like, I really want people to succeed in the things that they clearly have a lot of passion and heart in. So, yeah. And then I cried editing it again. So, that's that's just what you
0: that's what you're going into. This makes it sound like it's going to be sad and it's not. It is actually I think it's a pretty not. funny conversation unintentionally, maybe. Yeah.
1: No. And I'm a, and like for context, I'm like a good I I just like cry at everything. I cry <laughs> at like happy emotions. So, like it was very much like a like good lovely like swelling of emotion.
0: Well, we we can promise you almost the full range of human emotions in the course of this conversation how's how's that for a pitch for the, for the interview <laughs> That's good. but uh since we are not professional improvisers uh and we don't really know how to end this i think we should probably just let erin start it yep <laughs> here we go So, just to start off, if you can introduce yourself and anything about what you do, projects you work on that you'd like to talk about, and then uh, introduce your topic.
2: Oh my gosh, I should have written something down. My <laughs> palms got so sweaty. <laughs> um, my name's Erin Keith, and I am a podcaster and comedian who lives in Chicago, Illinois. You may know me from Hey Riddle Riddle or from knowing me in person. My topic today is improv comedy.
1: So so I'm going to start with like probably the most obvious question which is uh, how did you get started in wanting to do improv?
2: Well okay so I did short form improv in high school but we never really did any shows and I was president of the improv team which just meant like we sat on couches every Wednesday night and made fun of each other. <laughs> um, and then I didn't do any improv for a really long time but was pretty obsessed with comedy from afar. And then when I was like 21, I became obsessed with the idea of becoming a groundling in LA. And I was like, well, I can't just go and start that right away. So I went to the IO theater in Chicago and I did the summer intensive there, which was five weeks of doing improv every day. And I was like, I'll do that. And then I'll move to LA. And then I stayed because I loved Chicago so much.
0: So that was sort of my start. Yeah. I mean, so... Improv has kind of a weird reputation, I guess, in like the sort of public eye of people who do know what it is, but probably haven't ever seen it. They're not really seen it. I mean, people, I think pretty much everybody has seen Whose Line Is It Anyway at this point. But what do you think, like, why did you choose improv as an outlet when, you know, because there's other options, like you could do stand up, you could do scripted sketch comedy and be on SNL or something like that. Was there something about improv in particular that drew you to it?
2: It's so funny because I don't know if I ever consciously picked it. I was like, oh, I'll move to Chicago, and I'll do stand-up, and I'll do sketch, and I thought I was going to be doing all of those things, and then it became clear to me pretty quickly that I really just like the company. I was like, oh, the most fun part of this is sitting backstage with people and building something with people. So I sort of like how um, collaborative it is. That's probably why I've, I've done the most of that.
0: It's definitely a lot more collaborative than doing stand up for sure. Oh, definitely. And I
2: also you it's funny that you mentioned whose line because that is such a helpful thing when you're talking <laughs> to like a cousin who has no idea what you're talking about. Because a lot of times improv is just like, a punchline in TV shows of like, oh, I have to go to an improv show. But people grew up loving whose lines, so that helps.
1: Do you like gravitate to one form or the other, or like is there any reason that one resonates with you? Or like even the the groups of people that you build in order to create those things? I'm sorry if I'm asking like the most basic questions in the world because honestly I'm gonna like say this right off the bat like what you guys do is magic to me. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> have like... either of you ever done improv before? I, I have, but it was a very, very
2: long time time ago. <laughs> Is it one of those things that you have zero interest in?
1: I think, like, for me, it's, I'm interested in it, like, I, but I, it's one of those things where I want to always see the magic, I want to see it happen, because then I get, like, very excited when I start to, like, see all those pieces fall into place and see, like, a really cool, like, performance happen and, like, all the performers working together. And and I like watching that from afar. And I also have horrible stage fright, so, like.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, me too, though. I have horrible stage fright, which is crazy because I do improv, like, six times a week but sometimes it's still debilitating yeah like last night I did a show I've never done before with a lot of improvisers who I've watched since I moved here and oh, wow. I had to go to the bathroom and like take a second and get my hands to stop shaking it still happens um what was your question earlier I'm sorry I feel like I oh
1: no it's it's fine I I think I sort of asked is there do you prefer one form over the other or what are the merits that draw you to either oh
2: like long form and short form yeah I prefer watching and doing long-form improv because it's more story-based. I will say, though, I think all of the funniest long-form improvisers did short-form in college or growing up a lot of the funniest people in the city did comedy sports for years and years before they ever did long form. Like JPC, John Patrick Cohen, for example, was a huge short form person for most of his life. So now he's so fast with hard jokes. Like if you do short form, you're you get really good at doing hard jokes faster, I think.
0: Yeah, I kind of want to circle back briefly about um, having stage fright and doing improv anyway, because it seems like the most terrifying thing you could do (laughs) if you if you're nervous about being in front of people. Like, I mean, that was certainly my experience with it and I think probably why I didn't like it very much was I found it well I mean a lot of it was my drama teacher hated me but other than that (laughs) um, I think it just sort of it it never quite connected with me in the way that I wanted it to because the idea of it being so immediate and not knowing what was going to happen psyched me out so much that I think I couldn't ever quite get in the headspace to like click with it and, and just run with things because I was too anxious like how do you How do you deal with being nervous about being on stage and doing something where you literally don't know what's going to happen next?
2: I don't know. I'm still learning that. And now the older I get to, the more I'm nervous for scripted things because there's no reason that should be bad. And improv should be bad, and it's a miracle when it's not. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, when it is bad, you're like, what did you expect? This is stupid, and we're making it up. But when it's good, it's magic. But anything scripted or, like, anything prepared, the expectation to be good is much, much, much higher. So that makes me nervous. I also, I try to think of, like... That's an interesting question. Like, last night in that show, for example, I was so nervous. And the kind of nervous where I was like, I don't think I'm going to walk out there. I'm on the side. I think I'm frozen and I'm not going to go out there. But it was nine men and two women. And I was like, if I don't go out... That's going to make them look bad. And I just like, it's important that my voice is out there. Reminding yourself that you matter and that it will look weird if you're on the side. Like it's much worse to be paralyzed on the side than it is to be not funny on stage, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. I'm just like blowing my own mind thinking about it. I have no idea. I also think that it, it's the reps that you get. So like when you first move to any city and you start doing improv, the first 10 shows, the stakes feel so high because you're like, this is how I'm introducing myself to this community and this world and I have to have a good show or why am I even doing this? Um, and this is what people will remember me by. But after you've done like 400 bad shows and you've lived and your friends still love you. It's a little bit easier.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want is it partly the fact that it's collaborative of like having people that you know you can rely on because I think it's a lot if you're if you're on the trapeze, it's a lot easier to let go and fall if you know that your partner is going to catch you versus I think if you're working from a script, that may not necessarily be a given. You know, if you mess up or something doesn't land quite right, they may not really be able to adjust to catch you.
2: Yeah, there's so many ways to help and save the day. If you're falling, you're like, there are one two three, four other people on the stage. Who can fix this? And that's very comforting, especially if you're on a team with people that you like, love, and respect. It's a lot easier for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm stuck on this metaphor of, and, and I don't know why I've I've gone this this place, but like baking versus cooking with like scripted versus improv. <gasps> oh,
2: that's that makes so much sense. And I hate baking, <laughs> and I love cooking.
1: <laughs> there you go. Because because if you if if you mess up the amount of like sugar that you're putting in your cookies, they're not going to be good cookies. Yeah. But yeah. if you know a lot, of, so many times. And cooking, it's just like uh, eh, just like put some salt. You can put on some it. stuff
0: in a wok yeah.
2: Yeah, and just go yeah. for it. That
0: does not work. I'll add more <laughs> olive oil. Yeah,
2: it is. Oh yeah, that's so true. And I think that it makes sense that I hate baking. Like the friends that I know who are like obsessed with making cupcakes that look perfect are not my friends who do improv. You know,
0: <laughs> is this where I should mention I'm good at baking? <laughs> well, here we go. Interesting. Yeah,
2: I think that there has to be some sort of like weird mischievous chaos. To like improv, it's like sort of sick. It's like the same people who love uh cringy things, like things that are hard to watch. I think can have the stomach for doing improv.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you really have to be able to just from my perspective of it. It's like, and granted, I've only seen like two live improv shows, and they've both to my <laughs> to like an audience perspective been like finely tuned machines. So, is there something that to you? a feeling or a moment where you know that like a show is going well for you or or like what is that what's what is that for you
2: oh that's so interesting i think it depends on the team um it's like certain indicators that you read and it's very little to do with the audience reaction usually I think when you see the first person like laugh on the side of the stage, I know it's going to be a good show if within the first five minutes you're on the side and people are laughing like your teammates are laughing because that is so infectious. And I feel like as soon as like the audience wants more than anything when they go to an improv show. To feel taken care of in the first five seconds, and if you don't show confidence in the first five seconds, they are dying. Like you can just feel them being like, "Please don't be weird or bad." Like no one wants to sit through bad improv. So if you're immediately having fun and you're immediately laughing at each other's jokes, everyone feels at ease, and then it
0: usually goes a lot better. Yeah, it, like, I think it gives it gives the audience permission to laugh. Like, oh no, wait, this is supposed to be funny and not, and it's not bad. You know, because yeah. I think I think you have this sort of, or I don't know. I I've only seen. Actually, you guys live was the only time I had seen improv live and I had like really intense like secondhand anxiety about oh man what if there's a drunk person in the crowd who's hollering or something and and things don't go well um but yeah I I agree with you that I think even as an audience member like if I can see you guys laughing at each other then I'm like oh okay it's going well everything is fine and it's all right if I laugh too I'm not laughing at you I'm laughing with you
2: oh my god you just made me want to open an improv theater called secondhand anxiety (laughs) there's no better way to describe what it's like to watch an improv show Like a bad improv show. You're just like,
0: Oh, my God. I mean, the the good interpretation of that is it's like, you know, like watching a high wire act or something that every time somebody doesn't fall your your relief and the degree to which you're impressed by what the person is doing, because you can see the stakes that that's so much higher, like the the stakes are a lot higher, even as an audience member. Yeah,
2: it's also I just had a thought where the more I do this too, the more I would rather play for a sold out theater of like a few hundred people who have never seen improv before for Mm -hmm. than i would for a room with 10 comedians like that is nerve-wracking because there's not that like excitement of like they're celebrating when you do it right (laughs) like when like regular people are like i can't believe you're doing this at all like people who aren't improvisers like how incredible that you're even up there and that this is working a little bit <laughs> but when it's improvisers they're like what else you got <laughs> reinvent the wheel yeah
1: I was actually gonna ask because I, I was this is more of just like a odd curiosity is like laughing during your own show an okay thing for for a lot of people because like I feel like there's such a, I always think of like people complaining of like whenever people break on stage and it's like oh you're taking me out of the immersion but like for me like that's one of my favorite things because it's like it's like Anne said like oh it's like I know you're having fun and that is mm-hmm. what's also very fun is, is there like I don't want to say stigma that sounds way too loaded of a word but like thoughts around that
2: totally there really are and <laughs> okay so over the last two years of my life I have gotten so bad about that like it was a source of pride for myself when I was starting out I was like I'm going to commit I'm not going to break laughter's for the side of the stage like I'd, and I tried so hard And then I think it was starting to do Hey Riddle Riddle, where there's such a permission to laugh that it bled everywhere. And now (laughs) I'm years of working hard to not break have completely blown up in my face and everyone just knows me for dying laughing (laughs) the entire show. But like, I don't know. I think it's more joyous. And it goes back to like, it's not fake laughter. Like I'll never put it on Mm -hmm. if something's not Mm -hmm. working. But I think the audience is like just enjoying themselves so much more if they know you're having fun. The audience doesn't care. I think improvisers care. (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know I need to try to stop it I'm working on it
1: is the side of the stage like fair game of just like you're there you're ready but like you can also kind of like enjoy your other team members performing
2: I had a few teachers when I was going through IO that were huge about side of the stage etiquette and that mattering they would call you out every time your arms were crossed like you're not supposed to cross your arms you're also not supposed to shake your head because that is like a habit that a lot of people will do. Like they're just listening and their head's moving, but it looks like disapproval. And then I, I'm on a team, a Herald team at IO Chicago called Comet. And we've had maybe three coaches at this point, And they've all been like, you draw attention to yourself. You all have the craziest, loudest laughs. laughs that it seems like you're like, look at me when you're on the side because we're just cackling like crazy people. So like it's m- a little bit more polite if you can to like dive backstage or turn your head or try to be quiet while you're laughing. Because you're not trying to, like, people will look where the sound is. But oh, yeah, I giggle the whole time. I'm so bad about it.
1: I would argue, though, like, that is what is amazing about that. Like, I don't know. But I'm also the type of person who really enjoys the moments when I can see that, like, it's like, oh, these are people. Like, these are just people mm-hmm. having fun and doing a fun thing. So maybe I'm in, you know, a specific group of, like, no, I love seeing that happen, <laughs> like, on the wings and <laughs> even on stage. But
2: <laughs> I dated, uh, male improviser a few years ago and him and his group of friends uh would sit and they would be doing bits together and the way that they spoke was it felt like every sentence was like trying to one-up the joke before them and they were all very funny but it felt so like there was no space to breathe. And none of them were laughing at each other's jokes. Like no one was appreciating how funny each other was. It just was about like, how do I get to the top of this mountain? And it always drove me crazy. And I was like, I'm around the funniest people in the world. I'm going to slow down and laugh. I'd rather slow down and laugh than make like say something funny back I'd always pick that yeah
0: yeah that that, honestly it seems like kind of a guy thing too of that one-upsmanship and the the competitiveness (laughs) with with humor like they always have to get in there with another zinger after somebody else and and like try to beat them like there's a way you can fight in comedy and like beat somebody else as opposed to it being participatory do you find that doing improv with women is different than doing it with men does it vary at all?
1: Yes.
2: Um, I mean, there's obviously, like, all sorts of people and cases that, like, I don't want to generalize too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I mean, I also improvise. I'm so lucky with the men that I improvise with. Like, they're incredible like I don't I'm not really on an, any team where there's like a nightmare dude and that's not the case for a lot of people but when I improvise with women I'm on a team called Brady with two women named um, Olivia Nielsen and Layla Gorstein and when we do a show no we're not making each other wives and girlfriends and moms like oftentimes when you're a female on a improv team that's mostly men or even have like a few men I don't know what it is they cannot help themselves they will make you a mom a girlfriend or a wife and one that is truly just there as like a conduit for whatever the male character is trying to do but yeah I think also it's gotten so much better and I think they get broken out of those habits pretty quickly it definitely feels
0: different yeah I mean I think there's like a difficult question here that I'm not really sure how to ask i I think um I've heard a lot of Men talk about improv. And Mm -hmm. when they talk about improv, they tend to talk about other men and they tend to sort of affiliate more with other men and not be as inclusive as they could be, not just with women, but with, you know, non binary people. And I mean, there's this huge spectrum of people that they could be including. And I have heard that this is a problem in in comedy at large. Have you encountered any sort of barriers to being in comedy at all that, or specifically in improv, that you think are maybe because you're a woman? Yes. Definitely.
2: I do think... I came at a wave, like I came at the end of a time where it was way harder for women. And then a lot blew up and a lot changed. And a lot of the theaters in Chicago had to get their shit together pretty quickly. And it's definitely been better since then. Oh, but it's pretty constant. I think what has happened a lot, and I know I, this is a lot of other women's experiences because I have this conversation so often, is on an improv team, a lot of women feel like they have to keep convincing the men that they deserve to be there. And that they can be trusted, whereas they will like the men will just immediately trust the other men. But it's sort of like a constant battle to convince the men on your team that you're funny. I also know that. I heard this through the grapevine, so I'm not 100% sure if it's true, but I heard uh, when improvised Shakespeare still wasn't letting women in, one of the reasons why they gave is that women stop action on stage. Like, instead of joining in and saying yes to whatever the action is, they, like, take a moment to scold or point out, like, how moral it is, which is not true. That was so maddening to hear. And then I also think that I'm a pretty aggressive improviser. Like I initiate a lot of scenes. I edit a lot. Like I'm pretty controlling and I think I'm a shark. (laughs) And (laughs) when men are like that on stage, it's so celebrated. And when women are like that on stage, coaches and like male coaches and audience members will not like it. They like want you to be politely supporting them in sometimes.
0: Yeah, this is definitely an environment that will probably sound familiar to pretty much everybody, <laughs> not oh, not yeah. just I mean, even outside of comedy, that, that atmosphere of kind of constantly needing to prove yourself. But if you try too hard, then you're sort of threatening or they don't really want you in the space anymore. Exactly.
2: That's why I really have loved doing the show World News Tonight at the IO Theater, because the people who have been doing that have been doing it so long and they are all geniuses. And I feel like I can play my most aggressive there. I can be a shark. And I like my mindset the whole time is like, I'm going to destroy you all. Like, it's very mischievous and fun. And they're not afraid of how much space I take up. It's very, very fun to have that freedom.
1: What would you say the environment? Because obviously, like improv has to be collaborative by nature. But is there kind of a competitiveness to being not the funniest on stage, but like getting that moment that, fits perfectly or I guess like does that collaborativeness also bounce into competitiveness and how does that like work out I think that's something
2: that you grow out of I think for Mm -hmm. sure for the first few years of improvising everything feels competitive and people can feel like a threat to you like on stage and off Because you just want like the same opportunities as people and also you want to feel like you're the funniest one in a show. But the older you get, the more you realize how good you look when you make the space for other people. Mm -hmm. And how much more fun it is Mm -hmm. when you're making space for the funny people around you. It's definitely a still competitive competitive environment but it's less so with improv the older you get it's more like when you start writing solo material and like auditions for SNL and stuff like that's where it gets a little bit more competitive but improv luckily if you're good at it and you've been doing it a while it's really about the joy of each other's company
0: So how do you know in a show like I mean Emily kind of asked this question but I think I have a slightly different version of it like when you're in a show if it's sort of like a roller coaster like how do you know where that kind of peak is of that hill where you know sort of gravity goes away and it's the most exciting moment like what are the circumstances that makes that happen or what is what does it feel like for you on stage.
2: It's so I love moments like that where the show kind of swells to something like a crazy energy. It's the best because. Uh, you black out (laughs) it's that it's like why improv is so great is how absolutely present you are and there's no thinking it's just like doing without any filter and when I stop feeling like I'm like really in my head and worrying how I look or sound or if I'm playing too much or if I'm like saying too much or if I'm taking up too much space in that show if I stop thinking about that and I'm just going solely on my impulses I know we've gotten to that point of the show it's also like watching a lot of improv. You go, oh, I've I've seen shows. I know where we're at right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's so interesting to hear that there is like a pacing to it. Because I think as an audience member, especially if you've come into it not really knowing what to expect, but like I think so much of that feels so seamless to an audience member. And so like to hear you talk about the fact like, like there is there are these moments and you know like where things are coming and where a scene could go from there or or like the the feeling of that. That's so like interesting to hear because like from my perspective it's just like you guys are all working amazingly in tandem and I don't understand how it's happening.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think most improv theaters teach the Herald which sort of makes you realize how not magic a lot of improv is because it's a form that you're doing and there's certain things that you have to hit. It's like a roadmap um, for how to do improv. A lot of the shows I do are not heralds. But since we've all done so many of them, the rhythm of like what needs to come next or when it's time to see characters we've seen before is sort of ingrained in your body because of the heralds. And if you, for people who haven't done improv before, heralds feels a lot like, if you've ever seen an episode of Modern Family, it's the structure of Modern Family. It's like you have an opening and then you see three different scenes of like inciting incidents or people that we're gonna see or circumstance or whatever. And then we see it again. We see, like, those three scenes again. And at the end, all of those three scenes come together. They tie together somehow. And that's the basic structure we've been told to follow in a
1: show. I never knew it was that laid out. Um so I'm just like, wow, that's I never yeah. knew that there is like really a big like it's like math.
2: Truly, which is like I am such a person who loved the rules of improv shows and loves the herald. Like I love it. And I got put on a Herald team of people who do not care about it. So we don't do that. It's we just like scream like Muppets for thirty three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but if all like and it's just it's the, my biggest curse is I got put on a Herald team where no one cares about the math of it they're just like the <laughs> funniest people
1: But but like you still clearly enjoy it even though that part of it isn't being like satisfied right
2: totally and it's also stuff like that is such a lesson in like letting go of that Like, I think a young improviser, like, me as a young improviser, I would have rather a show get tied together than be funny. (laughs) Like, being funny wasn't my priority for so many years. (laughs) And sort of sometimes isn't. Like, I just like the art and the math of it, of improv, better than I like the comedy of improv most of the time. But then I'm surrounded by these people who are, like, truly hysterically funny and you just have to let go of that balloon that you're going to be able to control anything and you're like this is just this is what this is we're not all going to live here forever you're hysterical and you're being funny like i'm not going to try to fit it into the mold that this is
0: i'm telling you it belongs in
2: I feel like I'm talking is so much. <laughs>
0: no, no. You're supposed to. That is that is our structure. You it's are supposed to talk show, more yeah. than us. <laughs> Everybody says that at some point. They're like, oh, I'm talking so much. And we're like, that's that's why you're the guest. <laughs> you're here for that.
2: And a part of me, I'm like, I just wish we were all gabbing. <laughs> I wish the three of us were gossiping, but I guess it could wait.
1: Well, see, it's funny. It, I, I think I especially have this issue, and especially being the person who edits the show, where I get very self-conscious about how much I talk on
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's, I cannot listen to Hey Riddle Riddle. It's so hard for me to listen to it because I'm like, oh, who is this lady and why did she talk so much? <laughs> She's singing constantly. Stop singing. <laughs> I think you're a sociopath if you, like, love your own art so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if it's, like, a you're, I mean... I don't think that's for all art, but I think like maybe performance or anything that involves your voice or your face. If you're obsessed with it, there's something wrong with you.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you sort of wonder what you can learn from yourself, I guess. Like, I, I mean, I think in any of the arts, if you're not like constantly exposing yourself to other people's work, then it's harmful to your own. So if you're taking up all of your time kind of focusing on your thing or like listening back to your thing, then I think it's harder to make time to do that, like to do your oh, totally. homework effectively. I mean, it's joyful homework, but it's still homework. Mm-hmm. Completely.
2: I am. Um, my. Boyfriend and I get into this argument a lot where he thinks I'm an easy laugh. He's like, you laugh at everything, everyone always. And I get so mad because I go, no, you don't understand. Like, it's actually really hard to make me laugh. And before I moved to Chicago, it was very rare I'd laugh at all, which Mm -hmm. sounds so depressing. But like, (laughs) it's really hard to get me to laugh out loud. And then I just came here and the improvisers here are so funny. And like all the comedians here that it like unlocked my laugh. And now people think I laugh constantly at everything. But I'm like, no, no, no. If I was in a different part of the world, I'd be silent. It's just that these people are so funny.
0: I like like that idea that like only Chicago is funny and you get on an airplane and get off in Los Angeles or something and just just dead silence. I'm just wearing sunglasses all of a sudden.
1: (laughs) You didn't bring sunglasses. They just they just appeared. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I um.
2: And I was also just like, you're so confused. I don't know. It's just funny. Because he was like, yeah, you're always like falling in love with people. And like, I'm like, no, that you're just all your experience with me is with you. Like it just he's he's not very bright.
0: Like, of course, I laugh at your jokes. I feel kind of bad for him now that he thinks that that's how you are with everybody. And he's not like, oh, no, you're just laughing at me because I'm really funny.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's so funny. Like, it just it's just silly that he thinks I laugh all the time. It's
1: interesting, though, because I think a lot it it feels like the same environment of like when you do a convention and you're um like you're tabling at a convention and you're surrounded by all of these other incredibly skilled artists and every time i walk away from a show like i feel that thing of like oh i can't wait to go home and like do more stuff like <laughs> because of seeing everyone else around me who's just doing amazing work like and it that it, it, it sounds a lot like doing improv it's like uh, or or like enjoying other people's comedy like it fuels your own in a way because Mm -hmm. it's like you you need to be able to to like appreciate what everyone else is doing too oh
2: it's like the most important thing I ever did for my comedy brain is watch a bunch of improv shows when I first moved here and even when I still see like a good show it is so I can like feel it changing me and making me better
0: yeah that's interesting because I've I've heard people joke about improvisers and improvisers not wanting to go to improv shows that they're not in that that being like the last thing they want to do which is understandable yeah. like what you want to do with your leisure time is maybe something different than what you do with all of the rest of your time but yeah I mean it does seem like that exposure um to how other people approach approach things must be helpful
2: it's hard to watch bad improv <laughs> yes. like the longer I'm around I'm like oh my god I cannot sit through. but like on the flip side of that, I I love coaching teams. And, uh, directing shows, like that is very, very inspiring. Cause like, then you get back to the math of why something is or isn't working. And then your problem solving gets better when you end up performing.
1: Does coaching a team entail like, I don't know how the practice works. So are you just like working with a team in order for them to like learn or, or what's the, the sort of relationship there?
2: I think it depends. Like, uh, some people will coach a, a new team where they haven't really done improv before. So you're like going over some basics, but, I've mostly only coached teams of people who have, like, done, like, years of classes. And then that entails... Usually, like, one rehearsal a week or, like, three rehearsals a month. And then going to see their shows and then talking about it with them after. Like, being another set of eyes so people aren't giving each other notes. And I coach this team called Great Lakes Activity Center, which is a team at the CIC Theater on Irving Park in Chicago. It's an amazing team. But they are – they, like, were immediately all obsessed with each other. And they are such comedy nerds and they loved – but also, like, artists – And they were kind of on the hunt of like, what is our thing? Like, what do we do best? Like, what form can we create? That showcases who we are. So I would just go in every week with like a different improv form that's been invented, or exercise, or something to try to unlock our like like process of elimination of like how their show should feel.
1: It's just I I can't help but like relate it to like the visual art part of my brain because there's so much totally like uh, discussion about like you have to find your style and you have Mm -hmm. to find your your niche and you have to specialize and this is at the top of my brain because it's been a thing I've been thinking about for a lot long time. (laughs) Uh, But especially lately. But I think a lot of times you just end up falling into it. You don't, like, if you seek out the, like, style that you want to pursue, uh, it never quite works the, the, the right way. Versus, like, when you just kind of do whatever, not do whatever, but, like, you create honestly, that is going to appear or develop without you, like actively looking for it. There isn't a question at the end of this thought. It's just a thought.
2: (laughs) Oh, no, that's such a good point. I feel like I'm not a very jealous person. But that is when I do get jealous. It's when I go, Oh, that person knows exactly who they are. That person is a brand and they know exactly their sense of humor and how to translate it into improv and scripted stuff. Like I get envious of that. And then anytime I felt like I was truly myself and on brand was when I was writing things that, like, a younger me would find funny. Or, like, well, before I started, like, doing comedy, like, what bits were I was I doing to make my friends laugh? Like, whenever I can unlock that, when I wasn't thinking about the technique of it, it's always better than when I'm like, I need to perfectly showcase who I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was wondering earlier, in terms of your comedy brand, do you find that in improv shows there are specific characters that you return to that are the ones that you either like playing the most or just find yourself playing sort of <laughs>
2: involuntarily oh my god yeah oh I mean, that's a problem. And I, especially when people start pointing it out and like, if there's ever a moment where everyone's like, classic Aaron, I'm like, I need, I need to take a week off of improv. Um, it is, oh, it's, that's so true. I do a lot of like where I hug, I'll hug the back wall. Like I do a lot of like wall bits. (laughs) Oh God, this is so cringy. Oh, I'm like, I can't even, I can't even, I can't do this. (laughs) I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed by myself. But it also is, I'm trying to think of, like, stock characters I do. I do a lot of, like, teenage boys, (laughs) frazzled moms drinking wine. (laughs) My favorite thing to do is play with status. So I like playing someone, like, a teenage boy with, like, way too much confidence who's ruining adults' lives. Or, like, someone who's a boss who has no confidence. Like, playing with the expectation of that. I do way too much of that. And I probably do Boston accents too much. (laughs) I try to not. But in my defense, people will pimp me out for that. They'll, like, make me do that. I'm like, I didn't start this.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, the Boston accent, like, you, you can either do it or you can't. There is no middle ground. There is no, like, oh, so trying true. to do it and it being decent.
2: The master class of that is The Departed. Which is like some of these people who can do it, but some of these people cannot do it and should not have tried. Vera Farmiga should not have tried. It um, also to go back to your point about being on brand, I think I'm one of uh, an improviser who has the complete wrong idea about how I'm perceived. And my friends recently laughed at me because I described myself as sarcastic and biting. And then everyone laughed out loud. <laughs> And then started a new conversation, and I was like, "Why is everyone laughing?" And they're like, "Well, you made a joke about how you're sarcastic and biting." And I was like, "But I am." And then they died
0: laughing again.
2: <laughs> what? When did I become like a comedian for kids? When did I become this like soft puddle?
0: In fairness, I think everybody probably has the wrong idea about how they're perceived, for better or for worse. I think I think we're we're all very bad at that kind of self analysis, right? Just in the world, yeah, <laughs> we have no idea who we are.
2: Or how we're affecting people.
1: Yeah, on that note, do you feel like studying an improv has affected other parts of your life?
2: Yes, big time. Like, in good ways and in bad ways, it has definitely made me more joyful and more... Like interested in people being really funny in real life. But a, a problem I run into often, especially because of the podcast Hey Riddle Riddle, which I do with Rafi and John Patrick Cohen, is they are two people who they have like Spider-Man reflexes, where it seems like the world <laughs> slows down for them. And they hear every single part of a sentence and every mistake you've made. And like every word you said a little different, like they are so fast at, pulling apart what someone just said in a good way and that works so well for improv and when your brain is working like that and you're doing like word association or it's just moving based on what the person before you just said it's great for improv but when you're like you go home after recording something like that or after a show it's so bad conversationally like I I sometimes will like 10 to 20 minutes after an improv show notice that I'm being mean to people because I'm like, oh, you said this? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, you're just a human and I need to talk to you like we're humans and not like I'm going to hear every syllable of what you say in a bad way. It also has affected my life in such a good way friendship lies. Like, the people that I've met, like, all of my best friends are improvisers. And, like, my boyfriend and I fell in love because we were best friends and on an improv team together. And, like, it's such a fun place to, like, fall in love with your best friends and your significant others. Like, it's a, just a great place.
1: It's oh, really sweet. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. I'm just like, it's so sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cute. I'm a big
2: <laughs>
0: so, like.
1: Truly, though, I
2: think, like, it's not a coincidence that there are 700 improv couples. It's because like you're like at a place at night laughing together constantly, like you're on stage and you're I don't know, there's like truly a billion improvisers who are with other improvisers.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like I mean, I, I didn't do improv very much, but I did stage stuff like other scripted shows and that kind of like the camaraderie and the in jokes and the environment of needing to trust the other people that you're on stage with. And then everything that comes out of that, like it's those relationships feel different than other kinds of friend relationships often do it molds it in a different way and that it can go deeper it doesn't necessarily by default but it can the people are more open with maybe who they are when they react to things yes i I completely agree with what you're saying
1: have you noticed any difference between doing improv on stage and improv like in a recording studio for a podcast like does oh it's so different (laughs) it was
2: so hard it's still hard i still struggle a lot with the improv on hey riddle riddle and a lot of times when a hey riddle riddle fan will come to any of my shows that I'm in. Not really a world news show because, I mean, that's still the three of us on stage. But if they see me in anything else, they're like, you are totally different. (laughs) And it's because I think the improv I do is pretty unrecognizable on Hey Riddle Riddle to how I improvise other places. Like, it's so joke-based on Hey Riddle Riddle. And it's like, even though it's more permanent because it's being recorded, it feels like more throwaway because you're not trying to, like, make a piece or art. You're just trying to, like... It's more conversational. It feels like more like doing a bit at a bar with your friends than it does an improv show, which is when we do live shows, it's so hard. (laughs) Well, it's hard because, first of all, we're publicly in front of an audience trying to solve riddles, which is like, (laughs) what nightmare did I walk into? Oh, my God. But it's also so crazy because I think – I wouldn't even consider some of the improv we do on Hey Riddle Riddle to be like improv. It just feels like bits. And then all of a sudden when we have an audience, I feel the pressure and, like, impulses to do stuff I would do in improv shows. But I'm still trying to keep that, like, we're all sitting here having a drink together vibe that I feel like we've curated.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was I was thinking about the podcast and and listening to the podcast and, you know, you can't hear it when your audience laughs. Like, I mean, I think I think as a podcast listener, I know that when I'm in my room at three in the morning listening to something and like on the floor laughing uh, and nearly cut myself with the scissors because I wasn't paying attention that (laughs) like no one knows that that's happening but me. But since you have this comparison point of the experience of doing it on the podcast when you're in a recording studio and when you are in front of an audience, how how much is the audience? audience part of the equation, do you think? Like, How how does it change the experience for you?
2: I don't know. I think because I did so much improv to no one in the bottom of a bar for my first few years here, the size of the audience doesn't often affect my experience or like the sound, I'm way more affected by whether or not the people I'm performing with are having fun. Like that will get to me faster than if the audience is enjoying themselves. But I do love when an audience is like inconsolably laughing. <laughs> That'll happen sometimes. That's so joyful and like can't be matched. And it all it blows my mind the idea of anyone laughing at hey riddle riddle. <laughs> like I'm like, what? When people are like, oh yeah, it makes me
0: like laugh out loud at my desk at work. I'm like, what? Nope. <laughs> Yep. that's crazy <laughs> there have been some near car crash incidents I think I was in the car with you that one time Emily <laughs> oh my god it was It was not that close it, it was fine just... <laughs> no but I did
1: get a little
2: <laughs> see that's crazy to me although have you listened to the teacher's lounge podcast
0: I have not heard it yet it's on my list to like listen to and I haven't gotten to it yet okay speaking of improv
2: I think every single person who's about to do improv or is an improv student or has been improvising for years should listen to this podcast it is the best example of good improv i've ever heard because it's for these four men who are improvising pretending to be these characters who are four teachers in a teacher's lounge and they have a different guest every week but the way that they give gifts to each other and how quickly they agree upon the reality that they're discovering is perfect and they make it seem so easy and joyful but I have had to get off of the train because I've been crying laughing so hard at that podcast. I've gone like, I've had to stop walking because I was like, I'm going to vomit. I'm laughing so hard at this podcast. So I get it. But it's also like when we record Hey Riddle Riddle, I never, ever think about anyone ever hearing it. Which is a bad habit that
0: I should stop. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to decide if that may be a universal podcasting experience that you're kind of aware of the fact that there may be an audience, but because you can't see or hear them, and you know you're in a, in your bedroom, not wearing pants or whatever, <laughs> when the circumstances that were you're felt recording. personal because it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am I am currently sporting sporting uh, NASA men's boxer shorts from Walmart. I will put myself on blast for that one. You but I do just live in Florida. Everyone, I was in my
2: room, <laughs> not wearing pants. You just let everyone know. <laughs> totally. Like, I, if I were in front of an audience that was, like, immediate, I would never be like, I have a UTI right now. And if I'm sitting in a room with Adal and JPC, I'm like, I have a UTI right now. Um, which is sort of the scary part of a podcast. It's like, you forget that your family members yeah. can listen and <laughs> you
1: know, i as, as someone who has probably spent who spends probably like at least upwards of 30 hours listening to the, an episode to edit it i still will finish it and then be like i don't remember what we just talked about <laughs> and i just listened i like not only did i have the conversation i just listened to it over and over and over again
2: and that's the thing with podcasts and improv have that in common because once you've said it it's out of your brain and then months later someone will come up to you and like say a joke and you're like what <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about like people will say a quote and I'm I'm like I have absolutely no idea or even a guess of the context to that because <laughs> again I I try to not listen back to I'm in charge of listening to our Patreon episodes, but I don't. I don't listen to our main feed.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've we've joked about the microphone being a black hole. It's like a sin eater. You just say things into the <laughs> microphone, and then it's gone. From your perspective, it's completely gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone forever yeah i feel like we haven't talked at all about maybe one of the more interesting things about improv which we sort of circled it but we haven't really talked about it that it's ephemeral that it's usually not recorded usually not on tv usually not preserved in any way that it's this temporary thing for whoever is there that night and then it's gone do you have negative or positive or a mix of feelings about about that part of the experience is it different because of that
2: i think my mind always changes on that especially if it's a bad show you so grateful that it's not permanent (laughs) but it's also what makes it magic and people wouldn't be laughing as hard or having as much fun if it was permanent and io used to film every single one of its shows and then it would be posted online or you could watch them live and i think like my parents would go and watch some of my shows and they would like laugh and like it but it's not the same as being in the room it also has made me like feel more appreciative about the stuff I've made that is permanent. Like Hey Riddle Riddle or like any scripted stuff I do. You learn to appreciate both, I think. If you do both.
1: Yeah, well, and I think there's especially something about a live experience that you know isn't being recorded in any way where everyone in that room has to kind of make an agreement. Like the performers and the audience basically are all saying, like, okay, for the next 30 minutes or or however long the show is, we're just all gonna exist in this moment because after that it's totally gone. Like there's no (laughs) way to go back and re-listen to it or share it with anyone else. It's just in that space
2: i think it also makes you like sometimes i get self-conscious in front of groups of people and i can feel pretty superficial where i like where i in worrying about how i look and if improv shows were filmed and were permanent i would not be playing that <laughs> stressed out mom drinking wine like i would be maybe more contained and more mm-hmm. like presentational about the way i presented myself because i'd be like oh someone's gonna watch this back later but instead i can like let the chaos in and not be self-conscious
0: I'm trying to decide if this is too personal. a Question.
2: <laughs> this Go is kind for of a it. Serious
0: question. In improv, you you have to kind of maintain this energy and like you're saying about chaos and and trying to find this moment where you're sort of incredibly present but sort of also not present in the way that you normally are in your regular life to get out of your head a little bit uh, and not be second guessing yourself. What prevents you from getting in that space like what scares you the most when you when you're about to go on stage do you do you know what it is or even when you are on stage like what seems frightening
2: oh i think if the energy that you feel when you walk into that building will define what kind of show you have. What scares me the most, because I most of the people I perform with now are my very close friends, is, like, disappointing them or hurting the experience for them or them being mad at me. I get so worried about, like, economy of space. And I get, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I also, I know I'm having a bad improv show when I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this show is, like, $18. Uh, someone had to work an hour at a job to be sitting here. And that will really let
1: the fear spiral where I'm like,
2: oh my gosh, I'm letting this audience member down and they worked an hour to be here. (laughs) Like it's, that's not good.
1: I'm going to ask the inverse of that question then, in that when you are in those moments where that sort of fear and anxiety is starting to, starting to spiral, what helps break you out of that and get you back into the space where you're taking up, that space
2: eye contact eye contact with friends on stage like i if you a trick and it, this is always true <laughs> good improv shows everyone's making so much eye contact with each other and starting scenes making eye contact with each other bad shows no one's looking at each other in the eye <laughs> it's always always the case or talking through objects like i think as soon as i am on stage and i'm scared and it's going badly i this has happened enough that i know how to fix it And it's making eye contact and making a statement about them and not an object. Because I think people will panic and be like, we have to wash the dishes. And they're like not looking at their (laughs) scene partner. But instead of like looking at someone being like, you look great today. Or like directing your attention back to people and not the space. That helps a lot.
0: Yeah, as like an extension of that, is there, if you had to give people advice about like what the most important thing to do in improv was, or, you know, either in a specific action or a a general skill that you think is the most critical thing that you walk into a room armed with, do you know what that is? Yeah,
2: I might have a couple answers. Definitely when I was coaching a bunch, all the people I coached knew that like my biggest pet peeve was object-based initiations into scenes. Like this is a nice car. No because then the scene's going to start a minute in after you realize that it's not funny to talk about a car. I think eye contact. I also think gifting the person that you're in a scene with is the key to good improv, which is like a lot of people would disagree with me. There's like different theaters that teach different things, like the Annoyance Theater, which is incredible. Their school of thought is like, take care of yourself, come in with a big character choice, and that's how you take care of your partner. But I think for young improvisers, the way to go is gifting the person that you're with with a fun gift. Like there's an improv exercise where you, the point to it, like the lay on of it. Is you have to, like, two or three times in the scene, say to your partner, like, you famously, and then something that they do. Like, you famously love to sing karaoke. (laughs) Um, And I think that would be my advice for young improvisers. Don't worry so much about yourself. If you're gifting your scene partner, they're going to start gifting you back.
1: So usually when we bring people on the show uh, we ask them kind of at the end like to give the elevator pitch of their thing or if like if you ran into someone who was hesitant about trying improv for a, a myriad of reasons like what would be your pitch for kind of like giving it a shot
2: my pitch and this is going to be a ramble and not a good elevator pitch <laughs> that's, and that's not that's my okay. skill set and I know myself I'm not a succinct <laughs> okay. person I would say you absolutely don't need to be pursuing a career and comedy to do improv and I think if you're a person who's had a hard time feeling like you belong somewhere and or like you have a group of people that you work well with improv is such a good thing for that kind of anxiety and fear and I don't do improv for the performance part of it like you'll learn a lot you'll be get better at public speaking you'll get better at like knowing who you are But do improv for the backstage conversations you'll have with people. Like, the hardest you'll ever laugh is backstage before or after a show. And it's very joyful, and I think it's worth it. If you have any interest, definitely do it. Oh, no, they got off the elevator. They didn't like my elevator pitch. See, oh.
1: I was about to say, like, maybe I should try improv. Like-
2: oh, it turns out Aaron did do a good elevator pitch
1: after all. It was a long elevator, but that's okay. <laughs> we were going up to, like, the 75th floor.
0: All right. I, I was thinking about this. I hope this is a good question. I'm never sure. See, this is the thing, Emily, is, is I tend to surprise myself about because I'm never sure. <laughs> I'm always like, I have this other question, and I'm not sure if it's a good question or not. <laughs>
2: How about you ask as many questions as you want and then cut out the ones I have boring answers
0: to? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's going to this question is going to come across as being about career. And I think that it should probably not be about career. It should be about life in general. But when you think about your future and improv, what is the dream scenario for where it would take you? That's a very good question.
2: I have spent so much time thinking about that, but truly in the last two days, uh had an epiphany because i'm on a team called wet bus and it's the team i've been on the longest in the city it's like when i was a student me and all of these like ragtag group of people found each other and there's seven of us and we started not really knowing each other and now we're all best friends like that's how i met my boyfriend he's on that team and one of us is moving he's moving and his last show with us was thursday and it was the last time we are all going to be together for a very long time and like performing together. And that was so magical. And like we all got off stage and just cried and like held each other. And I was like, oh, this is the purpose of this. Like it's sold to you and it's packaged. Like improv can be like presented to you in a way that is like a vehicle to move forward rather than a place to sit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is the purpose of improv is to find your group of Avengers where you feel like your skill set. Your voice matters and you're an equal part in a group of people. I think like I've obvi- I'm an ambitious person who have I have like big comedy goals, but like in terms of improv goals, I feel like I already won because I met all of these incredible people who I adore but comedy goals. (laughs) Was that a bad answer? I'm so sorry. No, That was was a really really good answer. answer. It's interesting. Like I had an idea when I moved to Chicago that I wanted to be a daily show correspondent. That was my dream job my whole life. And I was like, okay, this is what I'll do. I'm going to do improv. I'm going to get on the World News Tonight cast. And then I'm going to spend the second half of my 20s trying to get on a political comedy show. And then at 25, yes, two years ago, my friend signed me up for the wait list to uh, do the uh, SNL, like first round of SNL mm-hmm. auditions at mm-hmm. I.O. Chicago and uh, was on the wait list, like got off the day before and did five minutes of solo characters and it went so well and ended up getting to audition for the show twice, which is like very magical. Obviously didn't get it, <laughs> but it made me realize how badly I want to write funny characters for me and my friends. Like my dream job is writing characters for my funny friends. So whether that be like a comedy writer on a TV show or for live performance or whatever it might be, that's my current
0: dream. TikTok, maybe. Yep. Oh, definitely.
2: Oh my God. Yes. Hold on. Let me write that down. Let me make a quick TikTok video about it.
1: Well, Erin, thank you so much. Uh, this was an amazing conversation. And uh, thank you for sharing all of this. This was yeah. incredible. I
2: truly felt like I talked the whole time. I'm, You know, when you just start to spiral, you're like, oh no. <laughs> yes,
0: I, <do laughs> I knew oh, that quite I well. Blew it.
2: Well, I'm going to be thinking about that the rest of the night. I have two improv shows tonight. Oh, no. Isn't that fun? That
0: is that is oh, intense, honestly. <laughs> no, you, and you are supposed, to, you are su- literally, you are supposed to talk. That is the whole concept, yeah. is that we want to give people who would second-guess themselves for talking about, for talking at all in the first place, and then for talking about the specific thing that they're discussing, that this is a, like, it's a safe space for that to happen, <laughs> where you're supposed to talk. <laughs> good.
2: I've loved listening. I listened to two of your episodes. I'm going to oh. continue to listen. But it's so good. It's so interesting. Oh, Thank you. Oh, thank
1: Thank you so much. Of
2: course. Thank you for having me. Truly.
1: Is there, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, Anything you want to plug? Uh, This is your space. So go for it.
2: Okay. Let's see. Um, Follow me, Erin Keefe 10 on Instagram. I'll promote most of my shows there. Um, I have a Twitter, but I don't really tweet. Um, And if you ever want a free ticket to any of my improv shows, just message me on Instagram and I can hook you up or advice on like what teachers to take or if you like are starting improv here i love talking about it so
1: awesome thank
0: you again yes thank you so much especially with the the tooth emergency i was
2: very concerned oh my gosh i will i i'm gonna try to send you a picture i took of myself with the drool coming out of my mouth oh my gosh i look so crazy oh my god
0: Thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast. If you have questions or comments, you can hit us up there or via our email, GuiltyTreasuresCast at gmail.com or you can just use it to give us a one-word suggestion for a scene.
1: If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And if you like the show, tell a friend or join an improv team and form a lifelong bond of friendship through comedy. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart be happy.